everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway! RA, so this is the podcast where we discuss all things musical and about theater. And in today's episode, we will be talking about My Fair Lady. So um, I'll just give a brief synopsis of the show. Um, The musical follows Eliza Doolittle, who is like a poor, common flower girl in England. Um, She overhears Professor Higgins, who is a phonetic researcher, and Colonel Pickering making a bet that Higgins could transform her into a proper lady, able to fool the upper classes that she is always one of them, uh, within six months. So um, we actually follow Eliza's transformation throughout the musical. And now, before we get into like the song by song discussion, I'll talk a little bit more about the musical. So the musical was actually based off of a play called The Pygmalion, which I have read. Um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, the Pygmalion is, uh, was written in 1913 by George Bernard Shaw. Um, and the musical, as I have seen it, uh, is based off the... Um, 1960s version of My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it but this is based off of the 1956 Broadway production which starred Julie Andrews. Yay! Yeah, Julie Andrews, the queen um, and it's very very exciting. It's a very uh, near and dear musical to my heart. Um, I, I was 16 and uh, I saw it for the first time on my 16th birthday, and it was really, really magical experience. Uh, it was such a beautiful musical, and I've watched it many, many times with my family, um, all together, or sometimes a few members of my family, and I've also watched it on Broadway. So it's something that is really important to me, um, and I, I feel very strongly about the musical. Um, how about your experience with My Fair Lady, Claire? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get so much hate comments like this is unbelievable if you don't know about this but the truth is I didn't really know about this musical until pretty recent. Um, it's not like I didn't I wasn't aware of it. It's more so I just never had the chance to watch it. My dad is a big big fan of Audrey Hepburn so he talked about the movies or well, her movies all the time but for some reason I just never really watched any of it before um so yeah knowing that it is super famous and pretty much like the all-time well-known musical and I didn't have the chance to watch it yet makes me feel like I'm the lower class and I'm the stupid one here so please (laughs) don't leave any hate comments um to acknowledge that honestly I think my fair lady is more of like the musical of a parent's generation rather than our generation like the stuff that you are familiar with like Lion King and Les Mis is much more common for people our age now, like early 20s or like early mid 20s. And My Fair Lady, like I was introduced to it because of my parents as well, who are super into the musical or or who have been super into the musical. Um, So I've been indoctrinated into this from them. (laughs) So I can totally understand and sympathize with you from that point. Okay, well, just don't hate me for it, please. No, 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 (laughs) not at all. Um, But yeah, so the musical itself, when it debuted on Broadway, it won tons of Tonys. It has been revived many times. The latest revival was in 2018, which is the one I've seen um, in New York. Um, And now we can go with a song by song discussion. Okay. All right. So I guess it starts with like an overture slash like basker sequence. Um, And we see like the square next to the opera hall. Um, The upper class try to like exit the theater, but they get confronted by the rain, making them unable to leave. 
Um, and we see like Freddy, who is one of the more central characters, I guess. Um, his mother and sister ask him to fetch them a taxi so they won't get wet by the rain. Um, and on his way to the street, Freddy knocks over Eliza's flower basket. And Eliza asks his mother to pay for the flowers that Freddy ruined, but his mother and sister refuse to give her any money. So Eliza tries to like ask other people for flowers if they want any flowers uh, so she can earn her keep. And she asks uh, Colonel Pickering, who is one of the other central characters, um, if he wants any flowers. He says no, but he still gives her money. And uh, one of the commoners, other like lower class people, warns Eliza that there is a gentleman out there who writes down everything Eliza is saying. Um, and then Eliza obviously freaks out. She's really distressed. She's like, oh, I'm a good girl, I am. And then Higgins comes out and say, like, there is absolutely nothing for you to be distressed about. Um, she demands to see what he's been writing about her and he shows her. And then she sees that she can't read what he's saying. And he's like, oh, I've been writing it in phonetics. Um, and he like quotes exactly what she said to to her. Um, and then Colonel Pickering comes out to defend Eliza as well. She's like, she did nothing wrong. You don't have to defend me from like young girls. Um, and essentially him and Pickering talk. Higgins, Professor Higgins is saying like, to literally everybody that is passing where they're from. And uh, then he complains that everybody in England sounds like Eliza. They sound horrible. Who can hear them? And he narrates how exasperated he is by the fact that uh, English people can't speak correctly. So what do you think about this song? I have to say, musically, I didn't enjoy it <laughs> very much. I felt like it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, song like it doesn't really have a lot of melodies in it. The phrases are written with like more of a metrical precision. I feel like that sort of maybe reflects Higgins' personality in a way. And um, like I said, the piece is generally very conversational, mm-hmm. but the first note usually has slightly heavier emphasis to the downbeat. Um, so that's what I picked up from from this. And I guess. From what I read online, the the fact that Higgins' tendency to go for the complexity in form, mm-hmm. um, so unlike Eliza's song or Freddie's songs uh, later down the road, his songs are usually his numbers are usually more complex, and yeah. that me- just means that he moves from one thought to the other like pretty quickly without confining himself to the strict forms. Mm-hmm. So. Musically, I didn't really enjoy it all that much. I can kind of see the relation between um, the musical form here versus like Higgins' personality. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, message-wise, like I just thought he was being really almost rude. But, oh, definitely but, rude. Yeah, You're almost there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was just trying to, you know, not offend the fans um, of the musical, but I think they know. <laughs> okay. Good. Um. Yeah. So. Right from the beginning, I don't really like his character all that much, just from the song, even though I find it kind of funny. Um, English is not my first language, and um, seeing somebody just trash and diss on like all the other English people for not being able to speak fluently is sort of funny to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, And later on, like, again, I don't speak English as a first language either. And later on, as the musical progresses, we see 
as Eliza learns how to speak correctly, the other people say her English is too good and therefore she has to be foreign. And I found that really hilarious because yeah. <laughs> obviously when you're foreign, you have to learn English like grammatically and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's really, really hilarious, actually. Um, but regarding what you said, like bang on, that's exactly what I think. It's a really fun song. All of his songs do sound alike just because the actor who has to perform the role of Professor Higgins doesn't have to be really like musically talented. Um, he has to be a good actor. So I think all of them has a lot of acting into them, but not a lot of singing that is required. Um, but yeah, completely, you can see he's kind of an ass. He's like, oh, you know, all of you, um, you don't know how to speak your own language. Um, and the reason why you're in the way, like the class system that you are, it's because you can speak. So he's obviously meant to be shown as a very insensitive person. And you also kind of get to see the central theme of the musical. So it's not only about relationships, but it's also about the the language, the English language, and how important it is for, um, for Shaw, who wrote it. So after this song is done, um, it turns out both Higgins and Pickering study phonetics and um, they want to meet each other. And then Higgins boasts that he could teach anyone to sound super high class, even Eliza, uh, within like six months. Um, so we cut from them as they leave. Eliza gets ready to close up shop. She goes to sleep. And um, the other commoners like start cracking jokes at how rich Eliza is right now and how um, they like make pretend uh, treating her like a lady and ask if she needs a butler. And she jokes around with them. And then we get to see like Eliza's I Want song, um, which is Wouldn't It Be Loverly? Lots of chocolate for me to eat. Lots of cola making lots of it. Warm face, warm hands, warm feet. So she literally says what she wants from the get-go in the musical. All I want is a room somewhere far away from the cold night air. So she actually like wants comfort. And then she, we find out she also wants kindness. And I think it's a very nice number. Um, but what do you think? I also enjoy this number a lot. Like um, in both the musical and the movie, it's just it brings smiles to my face because she's so cute. And um, <laughs> and just like watching her as as she talks about what sort of life she would like to have is is very bittersweet to me in in a way because it's hard for me to imagine what life will look like at that point the other thing that I kind of pick up from this number is the fact that the chocolate component I realized that chocolate was brought up like multiple times throughout the musical mm-hmm. here she talks about like she wants all the chocolates that she can eat and mm-hmm. later on when she goes to professor higgins place the way that he tried to make her stay is also offering her some chocolate yeah. and we also see that at the end of the musical where she refused the chocolate mm-hmm. so to me chocolate it's like a symbol maybe i'm reading too much into this so you tell me but to <laughs> me it's like a symbol of like this class where this like imagined um good comfortable life that Mm -hmm. she desires from this very beginning and um and chocolate really i guess like at the point at the time too like it's it's more like a luxury right only only rich people can eat it (laughs) yeah yeah so it's totally like the case just because like 
um, chocolate was really expensive. Taxi is something that um, was was used to cajole her, like, oh, she came into Mr. Higgins' house in a taxi. All of these are symbols of, like, upper class that she just doesn't have. But yeah, I thought it was a really, really nice song. It's it's really cute. I actually think, like, the accent she has when she says lovely is very yeah. sweet. The camaraderie she has with people um, of, like, her class is really nice. Like, they each treat each other with so much kindness, actually. Um, okay, so we cut from that to Eliza's father, Mr. Doolittle. Um, he's essentially like a no good drunk. Um, and he runs into Eliza or he seeks out Eliza, actually. And he convinces her uh, to give him some money so he can go get drunk before going back to her stepmom, who's not actually her stepmom since they're not married. Um, but that way we understand like the, the woman he's with now is not her actual mother. So yeah, so he's just like essentially narrating about how he lives his life. Um, so he is just like enjoying his life uh, to the fullest as he is right now, knowing that he's part of the un- part of the deserving poor, which is something we'll hear about later on from him, like you know, like um, as the musical progresses. And I think in his name too, like Doolittle, it like reflects <laughs> entirely. Like his name suggests that he does as little as possible to just get through life. And um, the fact that he is a dustman is because that is easier for him than the quote unquote real work. Um, I think it's a very interesting comparison here between the two doolittles. Mm-hmm. Like apparently Alfred is just he's comfortable where he's at. Like he doesn't want any extra responsibility. Mm-hmm. Whereas his daughter Eliza later on wants to become like a member of the more respectable middle class mm-hmm. and she takes initiative to make herself being able to join that class by going to um, Professor Higgins well I guess language class right <laughs> yeah. and um, musically it's okay it's not my favorite but it's quite catchy in a way. But yeah, I actually didn't catch that about uh, the Doolittle name. All I thought about was Dr. Doolittle, like the the doctor who could speak to animals. <laughs> um, and I didn't even think about the meaning of it, <laughs> just the animal speaking part. But you're totally right. Like you, you can completely see the difference in personality between them. And I'm guessing it has to do with like Eliza's mom. But you, you do get to see some of his influence on her later, I guess, when she meets Professor Higgins, and we'll talk about it in a bit. But uh, I like almost all the songs a lot in a musical, and I have a very hard time choosing my favorites. But I really just like the songs he sings. They just never, like, awaken any kind of emotion in me. So I, I don't really get to see anything from him, like, in his personality through the songs, more through his speaking roles, um, especially when he talks to Professor Higgins later on. Um, okay, so I guess we're cutting from that. Um, so Eliza goes to see Professor Higgins, um, and she wants to get English or language lessons to sound like a lady so she could work in a flower shop instead of selling them out on the street like she's doing now. And here is when you can see a bit of her dad uh, side in her. So she bargains with Higgins regarding like the cost of the lessons when he's like <laughs> intrigued. And he's like, um, my friend takes French lesson from a gentleman from France and you wouldn't have the heart to charge me the same amount to learn my own language, now would you? That's a brilliant tactic. I have to give it to her. (laughs) I was like, okay, okay, Eliza, I see you. Um, But yeah, that that was really hilarious to me. And then like after she says that, Mr. Higgins is like, actually, it's a fantastic offer. He's really impressed because um, 
compared to how much Eliza earns, what she's offering him is actually a large sum of what she's earning. So he's like percentage wise, yes, percentage wise. And this is like the largest offer he's ever gotten, because if you think about it in millionaire terms, it will be like 60 or 70 pounds or something like that. And then they decide to renew the bet. But Eliza is really reluctant. She's like, I don't know what they want from me. So she's resisting and Higgins tries to convince her to participate. So in the end, Eliza agrees after, as Claire said, uh, Mr. Higgins offers her some chocolate (laughs) and um, is taken upstairs by Mrs. Pierce to get dressed and take a shower and so on. Yeah, Mr. Higgins like reflecting (laughs) about himself and like about women in an I Am song with I'm an ordinary man. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm perfectly pleasant. I'm a great gentleman, but women will make you insane if you get one in your life. Well, just uh, an ordinary man. But let a woman in your life, and your serenity is through. She'll redecorate your home from the cellar to the dome, then go on to the enthralling fun of overhauling you. I really don't like Higgins. Oh, for sure, for sure. A lot. And here, like, it's very obvious that he was not interested in Eliza as an individual. And he keeps on referring to, referring her with um, names that is really disrespectful. My favorite was squashed pack, uh, a cabbage leaf. Yes, <laughs> Also exactly. that several times. It's, yeah, it's okay. and when Pickering asked him, like, hey, does it ever occur to you that Eliza might have some feelings too? He doesn't acknowledge it at all. I feel like it's very interesting because you can kind of see like the section when it's like more elegant and refined. Mm -hmm. This is how Higgins sees himself, right? But then if it's more, um, so like the second section is more harsh by contrast. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like change in tempo and then there are like interjections. Things like this is when phrases such as let a woman in your life comes in Mm -hmm. and then these all kind of contribute to like a general sense of disgust and I feel like this music really clearly demonstrates the suggestion of a relationship with a woman Mm -hmm. romantic or or not it's not something that Higgins is interested in um yeah after like Eliza shows her initiative and Mm -hmm. the fact that she shows up at his door offering to pay as well like to me that says a lot about her character and just how much um she is willing to change but then she's like he still dehumanizes her it's like really pissing me off so at this point i had no idea why like the first time i was watching the musical i'm like there is no way this is a love story this is too much Uh i cannot so yeah Yeah, uh, we'll talk about the love story aspect in the end, but Mm -hmm. uh, more. But I completely agree with you. So the reason, part of the reason why I really like this musical is because it takes the really sexist, misogynistic (laughs) point of view from like Mr. Higgins, Professor Higgins, and how, like what he thinks of women, which is a very common thing from like uh, that men expressed uh, about women, like constantly talking or like has a very controlling mother, gossiping with her friends, cares more about her hair than her, like her brain. So stuff that is like very, sexist and like uh blatantly sexist 
But you can see how hypocritical he is through the song. He's like, oh, I'm an ordinary man. I'm a gentleman. And you can see he's anything but a gentleman. He's very rude, especially compared to like um, to Colonel Pickering, who is also a bachelor, but doesn't hold these sexist views or doesn't hold these like rude views. He treats Eliza with kindness. So you can see you can be a bachelor and still be very nice and very polite to women and treat them with kindness like he does. But the way Higgins think about himself, he thinks he's exactly like Pickering, but he's clearly not. So he's very delusional. And I think the musical does a really good job at showing how delusional and how wrong he is. And at the same time, empower Eliza and show how right she is in her conviction. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, in response to that. So obviously the song is like super sexist and very funny because you can see, or at least I thought I could see exactly how wrong it is. And that's the point of the song. Okay, maybe. I, I don't know. I just don't take it as a funny song, to be honest. I um, well, first of all, like the music, the musical components just not very pleasant, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And then second of all, like I just I didn't appreciate the the sense of humor they're trying to express here. Mm-hmm. I know like people probably say that, yeah, you know, like this is um back in the times, like this is uh and shouldn't be judged with like the modern PC, whatever. Um, but just to me, it's something that I don't necessarily enjoy and will laugh about. That's fair. Okay. So um, when Eliza leaves to get ready, um, we hear, we cut to like the poor neighborhood, I guess. Eliza sent a letter to her neighbor to pack her things for her. Um, her dad overhears this and delivers her luggage. And he's trying to like swindle some money out of him. So um, they negotiate, I guess, the amount of money that Mr. Doolittle is willing to give Eliza to uh, Mr. Uh, Professor Higgins for, which ends up to five pounds. Um, and notably, Mr. Doolittle refuses to get any more when Higgins like said, oh, I'll give you some more money. And then he goes about like a rant of being like having undeserving poor and deserving poor and uh, middle class morality and stuff like that. And he's like, I'm very happy in my lawless life doing whatever I want. I am a deserving poor and I'm not interested in buying into middle class morality. Is there anything you thought about like this uh, interaction they had or the reprise? No, I just thought that the the character of Alfred is really interesting. It is. And right? it really yeah. shows that he's not looking for any responsibility and even the money too. When yes. he turned it down, I was like, I couldn't understand for a second. And I had to like pause and then think about it and be like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what he meant. I also like the setting here. I don't know if you guys seen the stage version of it, but like the stage setting for this scene, like the the room and everything, like you can see the bookshelves and there's almost every time I think there will be a second floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that it was really neat and yeah. it has a lot of details. So it's pretty rare for musicals to have such a detailed stage setting in the one The entire scene, set design is really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like when you said when you're not sure about like turning the money down, I think that your question gets answered like later on in a musical when like we see what happens with uh, Mr. Doolittle. So yeah. so that's part of the reason. But um, yeah, so we cut from that. Um, Doolittle gets his money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have like a montage of he- uh, Professor Higgins like being very rude, cruel to Eliza as he teaches her. He's just like doing drilling and drilling. And um, we see how frustrated Eliza is with her treatment. She's fantasizing about physical harm or causing physical harm to Professor Higgins um, based on how he's treating her with just you wait. 
I think the actress is so cute. <laughs> yes, yes. I really like it. Um, she's like full of this like evil smile, and um, so I really like, like that. Yes, I really like that kind of kind of acting, and I think the song itself seems to kind of have two very different sides of Eliza. So、mm-hmm. like the first sets or like the first section has like a lower range. Which shows that she is, you know, like tough and hardened.、Um, well, like the B section, so kind of similar to、um, Higgins' piece, is like in a much softer tone. So、mm-hmm. I feel like that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think like obviously the way that I pictured this number being like played, it's like a narration. Of inside her mind is not necessarily something she expresses outside. And inside your mind, obviously, if somebody abuses you or is being really hurtful and cruel towards you, you'd want to see them suffer. But yeah, I think it's really funny.、Uh, I really love this song. It's so cute. It shows so much like acting chops, especially from like Audrey Hepburn.、Um, but I thought like her personality just shines so much through the singing, which is not something that I think they've done necessarily with like Alfred. And it's a very fun song to listen to. Like I would just pop it up sometimes, like if I'm feeling vindictive or something. It's just really, really fun to hear. Okay, so from that we cut to like more learning montages and like different tactics they're taking in order to teach Eliza how to pronounce everything correctly.、Um, and we have like the servants' chorus, such as like poor Professor Higgins.、Um, the servants feel very, very bad. For Professor Higgins, since he's working very hard night and day,、um, and throughout the entire chorus song, they ignore how hard Eliza is working.、Um, but apart from that, there is nothing much going on in this song. What did you think? Yeah, the my favorite scene from the song is when Pickering accidentally picked up、uh, Eliza's accent、oh, yeah. <laughs> here. That was so funny.、Yes. <laughs> I really like Pickering. I think he's like very sweet and caring, and、yes. he seems to be the only, well, one of the only few people who actually cared about、um, Eliza's well-being.、Mm-hmm. So、um, I really like it there. And the other thing is the strawberry tart story. So here we have、um, while they're practicing, they're talking about how. Pickering and Higgins, they couldn't eat another thing, and they're talking about how delicious this strawberry tart is. And Eliza probably is super hungry, so like she has her eyes fixed on the tart, but then Higgins like gave it to his bird instead. So to me, it shows just how much he didn't value her or even pay attention to her need and want. It's not even. I feel like Higgins is general, like generally a jerk. Character, he's like an awful character. I don't think it's necessarily very debatable. Okay, after this learning montage, we go into like the last learning montage. Eliza is exhausted, and finally, Higgins shows a teeny tiny, like infinitesimally small smidge of compassion by saying that he knows how hard she's working and how difficult this is. Like this is the only moment ever he like recognizes how hard she's working. Um, so I think like throughout all the montages he's shown is really really cool, except for this moment where he's showing kindness. And after he's being kind to her for a tiny bit, showing like the littlest minimal sympathy to her, she has her breakthrough and he's able to pronounce everything. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plane.、Um, and then Higgins asks her to repeat that again and again. And then、um, Eliza Higgins and Pickering are dancing around celebrating. By George, he's got it. Now once again, where does it rain? On the plain, on the plain. And where's that 
I feel like the only reason why she had this breakthrough when she did is because he showed that compassion and then she finally like understood everything because she like she felt understood I think from by him and that encouraged her but yeah what do you think about the rain in Spain um in terms of the song itself um I think it's time to like maybe explore the relationship between Eliza and Higgins a little bit more Mm -hmm. um just because I think that there some people will say that this is like kind of like the maybe not the typical love song that you'll find in a musical, but like it's definitely a moment um, that they share. For those who support a love story or like a romantic development between the two characters, this is probably the one and only opportunity that they kind of see them singing together and celebrating something. But my problem with that is that it's not really a duel in the sense because there's still pickering so it's more like a trio mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. um but still this is the first song that they sing together and this should be a significant moment for them but still for me i just don't see it as a love song or sparks any kind of romantic element between the two characters mm-hmm. to me it's more like a celebration among friends i completely agree with you just to put like my cards on the table um so like from this particular uh, musical number, there are a lot of really important references culturally, I feel. So that's really interesting. And musically, I think it's pretty nice. Um, it's it's a good song for me. And I re- like genuinely bought the celebration between the three of them. I totally think of it as like a triumphant moment for all of them. Um, so I thought that was a really lovely moment. Um, okay, so let's move on. So after the celebration is over, Mrs. Pierce comes to collect Eliza, get her ready to sleep. Um, and Eliza, at least the way I see it, Eliza is happy that she's finally treated like a human being and like she dances around and she sings I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. I could have spread So this is another song, probably the song where um, people argue that it might be the moment that Eliza starts to have feelings for Higgins. Um, In short, I kind of just see it as her moment when she realizes what she could have achieved. And it is totally not about love, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. So in regard to the musical form, it's very simple. It kind of repeats itself for three times and the key doesn't change. The lyrics don't change. Um... Some people say that the lyrics kind of imply a more romantic component, like mm-hmm. having um, Eliza attributing her joy to an anonymous hymn. And we can probably assume this hymn is talking about Higgins. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's more like celebration of success. So she has finally broken through for the first time in her battle with the pronunciation. And now after the men have gone to bed, I feel like she is still kind of living in that excitement. And that is why she wants to keep dancing. So it's not necessarily that she is in love, but she just wants to keep learning. So that's the key vibe that I got from here. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really like her own desire to keep going is very strong here um, to keep feeling, reading, discovering the world. And she kind of has this like, I really like Audrey Hepburn's 
acting in the film for this part. Like totally. she's so cute. <laughs> she is adorable. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I guess this is the closest we get to like an omission of a romantic feeling between Eliza and Higgins. If you want to say the him in the lyrics is talking about Higgins, mm-hmm. but to me it's not. And honestly, aside from that, we don't see much else, um, anything romantic related going on. Going on in the in the musical anyway. So to me, mm-hmm. it's about like an Eliza's own moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with you. There is no romantic. I I don't see romance in here either. There mm-hmm. for the people who do, I do understand like other moments where they see. For example, with I grew accustomed to her face. Um, it does give you like a a hint of romance. Um, with Professor Higgins uh pining after her. But like like you, I agree. There is no romance aspect to it or at least I don't see it but unlike you I don't see it as celebration of her success in terms of the pronunciation I see it as a celebration of achieving kindness so like from her I want song what you get is like I want comfort like I don't want to be out in the cold and I want kindness I want somebody who is warm and tender towards me and uh with the fact that Higgins treated her with kindness before with the ice pack and like saying that I understand your point of view. And then when she had to break through, they celebrate all together. Um, what I got from it is that she thought that she finally achieved that level of kindness of people caring for her as a human being um, and caring about her existence and her worth. So she's celebrating accomplishing one part of, of what she wanted out of life for herself. To me, that's what she's talking about here. Um, and again, agree with the lack of romance. I don't see it as a romantic thing, but I could understand why other people would see it just because like usually when you dance with a guy, uh, people think like, oh, you know, this is something in a, a romantic sense. But I don't see it that way. Um, apart from that, that song is really, really important to me. It's my favorite song in a musical. I was in a choir for like eight years. And then um, in grade 12, I was also like in a music club in high school. And uh I sang it in the club and uh, it was really, really like something that I practiced a lot and something that I really enjoyed singing. So um, it's something that's also really important to me. And it's my favorite song in a musical. Um, OK, so we cut from this and we go to the Ascot race course um, into the high society over there who are. Um, very excited, <laughs> I guess, about the race. They're completely emotionless when they sing. Uh, it's really, really humorous. Like the juxtaposition of saying like, oh, we're so excited. I've never been so keyed up. Um, but they have no expression on their face because it's like taboo to show any expression, I guess. And this is like also the first time that we see Higgins' mother, uh, who's really disappointed to hear that her son is there because he always insults all of her friends. After meeting him, her friends never come to see her anymore. Um, so at first she's super happy to hear that um, Professor Higgins brought a girl. She's like, is this a love affair? And then she's really quickly shot down and like, no, it's not a love affair. We're just creating, like conducting an, an experiment. And everything starts really well with like, how do you do? And the <laughs> rain in Spain stays mainly in the plane, which is very comfortable saying at this point, I guess. Um, but then she has to speak about more stuff than just like her, her health and the weather. So you can see how actually out of her depth she is, despite sounding right, she doesn't know what to say and what is correct to say and how to conduct herself in this kind of um, environment. Even though that's that's happening and she's like definitely making an ass out of herself. Um, 
one of the the gentlemen there, Freddy, who we talked about in the beginning and is making a comeback now, he finds her super charming. He is head over heel for her, like instantaneously like that. And he decides to give her a betting ticket for one of the racehorses uh, for Dover. So when the race restarts, um, Eliza is really excited about it because now she has like a stake in the game and she screams, go on Dover, move your blooming ass. Um, and then at this point, even she knows that she fucked up and we cut <laughs> from the races. So what do you think about the Ascot? Uh, I think it's pronounced Gavate, Gavat. It's I, like a I'm not even going to try, but... <laughs> Um, I appreciate the costume here. I think the use of color is pretty elegant and yeah. um, all the dresses and everything is very beautiful to look at. Um, it almost gives me like a dancing ball like atmosphere. And it's also the first time we are introduced to Higgins' mother. So that is great visually. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the song itself, like the music wise, I don't actually think much of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. I, I like it musically. Like I don't, it's not much except for like conveying the atmosphere. Like I feel like the the way they sing the song is very intentional. The lack of showing emotion, the very precise notes, um, and the chorus showing that like all the upper class is the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where I don't have like individual colors. Like, for example, in Wouldn't It Be Loverly, you get to see like the different personalities of the common class or the lower class. And the upper class are all in unison. So you get to see how unified everything else. Um, so I think it tells you a lot about the world and musically like it's pretty nice to listen to in my opinion but it's not like it doesn't convey much emotion so I I can see why you wouldn't be all that into this song Um, okay so we cut from that to one of my favorite songs actually which is On the Street Where You Live Are there lilac trees in the heart of town Can you hear a lark in any other part of town? Does enchantment fall out of every door? No, it's just on the street where you live. So Freddy goes to Higgins' house, or the street where um, Eliza and Higgins live, with some flowers, and he sings about how how in love uh, he is with her. It's a very cute, very sweet, innocent song. In my opinion, he's just like, he's, it's such a puppy love, it looks like to me. Um, And in both the uh, musical and the movie version, the singing is really top notch. It's very, very beautiful. Um, So I really like this song. (laughs) What do you think? Well, um, throughout the whole musical, Freddie only gets this one solo song. But to me, he definitely makes the most out of it. Mm -hmm. So this number is everything I think a romantic um, ballet should be and um, it has the the sweeping melody this passionate um, swells in the strings and then this romantic imagery of um, like trees and larks and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so part of the reason why it makes this piece so expressive is really the ever-expanding melody Um, but it even if this comes out as a romantic song, it actually kind of gives me some creepy vibes. Yes. Just imagine somebody standing at your door and refuse to leave until you come out. That's just my take of it. Um, and again, I really don't want to see this as a romantic uh, musical because really she was only given two choices. So Higgins or Freddie. Um, so Higgins, is, one is proud, arrogant jerk who emotionally abuses her. And the other one barely spoke with her let alone really get to know her 
So yeah, although it's like the closest thing we have in a musical to like a romantic song, I mm-hmm. wasn't particularly moved by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I still appreciate it though. I think it's still a nice song to listen to. Totally. I mean, I could totally see also the the creepy aspect. I thought about it too. Like especially later on when we write and when he, he and when we hear that he writes to her like twice a day, every day, um, and he just casually like walks up and down her street. Obviously, gives you like a creeper vibe. But I don't know. It just like he's so earnest. He's such like a puppy to me. <laughs> um, I I found it really cute. Even though if this happened in real life, I would be going like around screaming. But it just I don't know. I found him like such. Like, like a, such a charming person. He's, like, so cute in here. He's just, like, an adorable little puppy. I I couldn't <laughs> think about it too, too negatively. So, yeah. So, that was his, that was his song, his solo. It's very beautiful uh, to sum up. And uh, it is the only, only solo, solo he gets. So, we cut from the outside of the house and Freddy to the inside of the house. And um, this is the night of the ball. We also see Eliza in her like gorgeous looking dress, um, looking regal and so on. And then we cut to intermission. It's the end of act one. So let's move to act two. So um, Eliza, Professor Higgins and Pickering go to the embassy ball together. And then uh, if we're going by the musical version, Pickering discusses like Eliza's performance with Mrs. Higgins, who says that she grew very fond of Eliza and we'll see just how fond she grew of Eliza later on. Um, Professor Higgins get accosted by his ex-student. I think his name was Zoltan Karpathy. I don't know. Correct me, Claire, if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm I probably know better <laughs> at this than you. So, yeah, that just pretend that's the way to pronounce it. But um, <laughs> if anybody knows how to properly pronounce this, let us know. Educate us. Yes, please. Um, and until you educate us, I'll just call him Zoltan. Um, so Zoltan is very, very happy to see Professor Higgins. And then the Queen of Transylvania enters with uh, her son, the prince, and she singles out Eliza. She calls her charming and invites her to dance with her son. Um, and after she finishes dancing with him, she dances with Zoltan. And then after that, she dances with Higgins and the people who are Seeing it as a Roman story, I guess maybe latch on to this. So we go to You Did It, and uh, it cuts to Higgins' home with uh, Pickering and Higgins celebrating their success. Uh, Higgins won the bet. So Pickering and Higgins kept congratulating themselves, ignoring Eliza's accomplishment, and Zoltan... When Zoltan announces that Eliza is a fraud, apparently she says he says she's a fraud because she's a Hungarian princess. So clearly everybody thought that she's too upper class. Um, and in the end of You Did It, Hagen said, thank God it's all over now. I can go to bed at last and not dread tomorrow. And Eliza has nothing to do with the celebration. She's standing on the side while Higgins Pickering and the entire staff celebrate together. What did he think of You Did yeah. It? Um, well, in the musical version, Higgins and Pickering are actually filling in the audience since, um, unlike the film, like we as audience had no other way to find out what happened after the curtain fell on Act One. So much of it really relies on just trying to figure out what happened. Um, the stage was set to a point where Eliza is standing quietly in a corner. I feel mm-hmm. so sad watching it in both totally. the film version and the musical. Like you can clearly sees that she seeks some sort of recognition but that like none was given to her really and then nobody even acknowledged her so I felt really bad for her here 
Mm -hmm. Musically, I really like the violin part, <laughs>、um, but in terms of the like the acting and I、mm -hmm. guess the the plot,、um, by the end of the song, like Higgins left telling Eliza to leave a note for、mm -hmm. his morning coffee the next day. So.、Mm -hmm. Really, to me, Stills feels like Higgins at this point still sees Eliza as only his project,、mm -hmm. and、um, for me, it's just all the other reason on my super long list to not like Higgins、mm -hmm. <laughs> and、uh, and to not support it as like a romantic、um, anything romantic really between the two of them. Totally. Um, yeah, I also really like the the song you did it like musically.、Um, it does sound. Sufficiently celebratory, and it does really convey both by the lyrics and I think the music as well how Eliza is sidelined during the celebration and nobody's like everybody's ignoring her. So that really harkens back to this, and、um, I agree. It's like while being celebratory, you can see that it's also very very wrong the way they celebrate it, and I think it was well conveyed.、Uh, and I also really enjoyed the violin. So. Um, cutting back from that, Eliza,、um, so Higgins and、uh, Pickering leave,、uh, Pick and、um, Higgins told Eliza to remind Mrs. Pierce about the coffee. So Eliza collapses to the bed、um, as he leaves and starts like bawling her eyes out. She like starts crying really bad, and、uh, Higgins returns for his slippers just then. So they have like a very long argument here.、Um, so. Higgins really ridicules her. Oh, it's like, oh, the creature is nervous after all, and、um, he really makes fun of her throughout the entire time. He's like calling her names and stuff like that. And Eliza is really distressed. And here, I think you can really see the gender differences,、um, which I think is really, really good thing to highlight, especially for like such a, a an old play, like in the 1910s.、Um, she she's immediately like, what's to become of me? What am I fit for? What can I do now? Um, because when you think about it, she doesn't really have many prospects. What she can do right now is like marry or maybe be be in a flower shop. But to be honest, Higgins says the same later on. She's fit for much more. She's fit to be like a song, a concert to like a king, a king. So she can do much better than just be a lady in a flower shop. Her mind is so advanced. She's very well educated now. She she's she can do so much more with her life. But because she's a woman, she cannot do that. And he doesn't understand that because he has been born with all the luxury possible, not only by being a man but also being upper class. And he doesn't understand that she doesn't have the same ability. She's very limited in what she could possibly achieve as a woman. Um, and he's trying to placate her,、um, like you said before. Have a chocolate. Maybe you're tired. There's nothing to worry about. And he's really discrediting her feelings and concern because he doesn't understand them. I find it really interesting that it doesn't occur to him that this is these are the only options that she has. She doesn't have that much more, and these are not very satisfying options to her. Eliza says, like, oh, you know, we were above that in Covent Garden, which is where she comes from. We didn't sell ourselves. Which is exactly what she'll have to do in order to live in society as a lady. She'll have to sell herself because she can't work as an upper class woman.、Uh, she's fully acknowledging that marriage is an economic slash business tra transaction because her quality of life depends on having good prospects in marriage.、Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so after after that discussion, we're going to a class distinction. Um, she's asking like, do my clothes belong to me or to Pickering? What can I take with me? 
And um, she's fully acknowledging that she's disadvantaged because she was born to a poor family. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm only a common ignorant girl. And in my station, I ought to be careful when uh, she talks about like the the um, question of what belongs to her. She doesn't want to be accused of, of theft. And then with the jewelry she's wearing, it was rented. So she returns them straight to Professor Higgins' hand because she doesn't want to be accused of anything if it goes missing. So she's very much aware of the class distinction. And she also returns the ring he bought her. Um, and he was about to throw it. And she instantly recoils and asks for him not to hit her. And I thought that was really... Like, that would be her natural reaction, because we see throughout the musical, her father hit her a lot. He's like, oh, to change her mind, you just have to give her a few lick, licks of the belts. And finally, she lets him know that she's not letting um, Mrs. Pierce know about the coffee for tomorrow, meaning she's leaving. And uh, she clutches her ring when Higgins leaves and uh, reprises, just you wait. Aww. <laughs> um, honestly, the first time I watched it, um, I felt so sad um but the second time like I feel like this is like some kind of necessary growth that mm-hmm. she has to go through because if before that she was seeking for recognition and um the approval especially coming from Higgins I feel like at this point moving forward that she doesn't really need it anymore mm-hmm. And we can see it clearly from here. She's like, I'm so done with, like, this is the one thing that I wanted. But um, but obviously he couldn't understand, he couldn't comprehend what could possibly that she would need from him. So mm-hmm. I feel like even though the reprise is sounds really sad and I feel like she sings in um in some level of sadness and anger and frustration and disappointment, mm-hmm. but she only grows stronger from here. So in a way, I guess from the second or maybe a third watch, like I feel kind of happy that she has to go through this step in order to realize that she needs nobody's recognition or like she needs nobody's support and she can still achieve like this level of self-worth is right. what I got. Um, so yeah, I find it very interesting <laughs> when she says, um, I didn't sell myself, mm-hmm. but in fact, like she was sold to Higgins technically, right? Yeah. Because we see how um, he paid five pounds for her. And indeed, that is what he says later on too. Mm-hmm. He's like, she's mine. I paid five pounds, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So we can see this like gender equality too, when mm-hmm. women didn't really have a say in their own value. And it was entirely determined, or at, at least at this point, it was determined by men. And they didn't even consult Eliza when they made the deal of the five pounds deal. She doesn't even know about it. Yeah, she didn't even know that it happened. So character development wise, I feel like it is like the necessarily pain and agony she has to go through in order to grow. So, so yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think like if you were, if you want to understand the themes of this musical or of the play as well, um, you really get to see the most important themes in this specific uh, dialogue that they have there. Um, So we cut to uh, Freddie writing Eliza another letter and he's reprising the on the street where you live. Um, And then Eliza runs into him with like a suitcase in her hand. And then she knows obviously that he's head over heels for her and she asks him what he thinks of her. And then he hurriedly professes his love to her through like poetry or some bullshit. Um, And then she's like, I'm so sick of words. Show me how you feel about me and show me. 
talk of stars burning above. If you're in love, show me. Tell me no dreams filled with desire. If you're on fire, show me. Here we are together in the middle of the night. Don't talk of spring, just hold me tight. Anyone who's ever been in love will tell you that. This is no time for a chat. I like the song because mm-hmm. it showed Eliza as a totally different and a strong woman now. Mm-hmm. Um, here, like she silenced Freddie's <laughs> declaration of love with uh, saying like words, words, words. I'm so sick of words, and yes. Freddie can't even get like a word in the edgewise following <laughs> this outburst. So I find it kind of interesting. You can totally see the difference between um the previous song versus this this one. Um. Maybe after all, like I really want to believe that love is not what this musical is about, and mm-hmm. it's about like Eliza growing and being independent. And in fact, that she has plenty of songs that demonstrate that she's anything but like a statue. Going back mm-hmm. to like the myth references, totally. um, and after all, like this entire musical is ri- written like largely from her perspective. Um, so yeah, I like how she tells Freddie like action speaks louder than than words. So we can definitely see that tough side of her um, for sure. And I very much appreciate if the musical like continues to build her character like that. So really, really liked it. Something that I actually just thought of regarding um, the whole aspect of selling yourself, Eliza. That's something that really matters to her because. She constantly says, "I'm a good girl. I am," and she constantly reminds us that she's a good girl. And from that, what you can kind of infer is that she's talking about like she doesn't sell herself. She's not a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to her to have ownership over her own body and to have autonomy and to stay, like, to do exactly as she wants to do. Which is something that is actually important to Mr. Higgins as well. I am an ordinary man who lives exactly as he wants. So it's something that is important for both of them and they can both understand it. But the fact that she's so insistent of the of not being a prostitute and being a good girl, I think gives a lot more credence to the fact that she values her autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we cut from that. Eliza and Freddie end up going um, away from uh, Professor Higgins Street. She ends up in the market where she used to sell flowers. Nobody recognized her. They're extra respectful. Um, the men are reprising, wouldn't it be loverly? Um, but none of them recognize her. So she can't even return to where she used to be because they don't think of her as one of them, their own. And she reprises, wouldn't it be loverly, all by herself in the corner. Very sad. Yeah, very sad. <laughs> um, to me, what I uh, understand from this number is that she understands that the material success is not necessarily what brings joy to her mm-hmm. life. Because yes. um, now she fits in nowhere, really, because she's not part of the upper class. But at the same time, she can't go back to her older, old life, too. So um, exactly. it's, a, it's a pretty emotional moment. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. it's yeah like it kind of breaks my heart like when people treat her so carefully mm-hmm. and then they feel like they need to be some sort of distance from her I know I felt really really sad for her and she looked so lonely in the end mm-hmm. um yeah poor Eliza but uh we see Mr. Doolittle is getting out of a bar looking very posh mm-hmm. and um he sees Eliza outside of the bar and he, she, he thinks that she's out there to spy on him by 
sent by Professor Higgins. And Mr. Doodle says that uh, Professor Higgins was out to destroy him and bring him to middle class morality. Um, he wrote to the American millionaire about Mr. Doodle, letting him know that he's like an ingenious moralist um, and a common dustman. So the American millionaire um, felt really inspired because like, if you think about it, going back to like Mr. Gone, the American dream of total commoner, poor person, lower class can rise to be an excellent rich person. Um, so he wants to like show the British uh, the value of the American dream. And when he died, he left uh, Mr. Doolittle 4,000 pounds a year if he lectures to whoever asks um, about morality. And it was such a large sum of money that Mr. Doolittle couldn't refuse this. So um, we learned that because he is such a gentleman now, he has a lot of uh, money to his name, his, um, he decided to marry her stepmother or who will become her stepmother. And then when Eliza says that she's not affiliated with Professor Higgins anymore, Mr. Doolittle says that uh, he's not going to support her. So she better go somewhere else because he's not going to do anything for her. So Freddie comes to fetch Eliza back and Mr. Doolittle uh, invites her to his wedding if she wants to come. And then he's just like singing about what he's going to do in the next few hours until he has to be at the church. And when he's going to be at the church, he's going to be a respectable person. But until then, he can do whatever he wants. What did you think of it? Um, honestly, I don't think much of it. Fair. I see this as a very strong contrast of his character, though, like mm. between um, the the character that he was in act one versus now like he definitely show much more responsibility um but i feel like the character himself doesn't necessarily like i don't feel like he essentially changed no he doesn't. um yeah <laughs> it's more like he's been forced to accept responsibilities that he would n rather not have been faced with exactly. so that's that's the vibe that i got from it um yeah but other than that i think it's a very interesting change mm -hmm. um to see how he must now adopt into the middle class morality yes for sure okay so we cut to higgins and pickering they're freaking out about eliza's disappearance and they decide to call the police but yeah the police really aren't taking him seriously so pickering had to call his contact in the scotland yard to find her and meanwhile you can see like higgins he still has no clue why she left and uh he sings like the him to him or why can't a woman be more like a man and i think like here you can see even more how over the top and how cute like clearly humorous this was supposed to be and how wrong higgins is so i appreciate the song on this level because it's so obviously not true I guess I can kind of, I have like similar feelings about the song like you, mm -hmm. like it's an interesting song from many, many angles. Like mm -hmm. the first time I heard it, I thought it was super sexist, but on second thought that I think I started to see like the humor behind it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I noticed is that he asked Pickering, is like, well, why can't a woman be like you? Mm -hmm. So... It definitely shows a certain type of hatred against women in his character, but it also sparks an interesting question. So, like, are they living together? Or, like, you know, like, are they, like, together together? Because think about this, right? They're two bachelors, and he is pretty much asking if women can be, like, pickering. So, like, does that imply any kind of thing? Mm -hmm. um, was my question. 
I personally think it would be a very interesting discussion to see if whether or not Higgins is homosexual, um, because he obviously prefers males over females. Now, I have seen your uh, question talked about before, like whether he's homosexual or whatever, whether he has something with Pickering. I always saw him as like aromantic asexual. So like he's not interested in anything. So I don't know. For me, it gave me such a strong asexual, like aromantic asexual vibe of like all they want is each other's companionship because they appreciate each other on a human level. But we can talk about it later. So Professor Higgins goes to see his mother, but his mother is sitting with Eliza. They're having a cup of tea. They're having the best time of their life. Professor Higgins comes in and he's like, you. Um, And she's fully supported by his mom, which I loved. So um, Higgins tried to like, come up with different tactic he's like I treat everyone equal equally um because I treat everybody like crap and Eliza was like I don't care how I'm treated which is like hmm. uh but I won't be passed over so like she she's not willing to be ignored they really talk about like their own experience and what they want from each other um she says like oh I can live without you and uh, you know that I can't live without you and then he is like oh I told you you could live without me, but have you thought if I could live without you? And then she's like, she doesn't buy it. So she's like, you have me on your sonogram, you can hear me whatever you like. And then he's like, I can't turn your soul on, which is a very romantic sentence, honestly, but like if you com- only if you completely ignore his entire characterization. And Eliza finally sees this is the way to get to him through phonetics, through like what he's proud of. And now she has power over him. And that's when she starts singing without you. I shall not feel alone without you. I can stand on my own without you. So go back in your shell. I can do bloody well without you. Hey, George, I really did it. I did it, I did it. I said I'd make a woman, and indeed I did. I knew that I could do it. I knew it, I knew it. I said I'd make a woman and succeed, I did. Eliza, you're magnificent. So what did you think of this? Yeah, I think rather than seeing Eliza's growth from this song, like I feel like this song also reflects um, <laughs> once again Higgins' true character when he undercuts the Eliza's um, final "Without You" by inserting a reprise of "You Did It." Musically, this speaks to me as um, "I'm not going to listen to you" type of thing. Like totally. it shows that musically Higgins is not willing to follow her melody, and this is perhaps like the rudest interruption of all. Um, despite all the things they have been through together. So to me, it sends a message saying that he is refusing to find a common ground with Eliza. He is not willing to respect her. He is rejecting both her established key and melody in favor of his own musical material. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't know how people can ever see this as a romantic thing, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because just by the song itself, like you see, there is absolutely no um, respect, I think. And Mm -hmm. the communication is very one-sided, super limited. I don't understand how anybody can think that Eliza should end up with a person like Higgins, because he is clearly not um, respecting her at all. Let's go to the final song so we can talk about the ending. So we cut as Eliza is leaving. Higgins calls for his mother. Um, he tells her that Eliza is gone. And his mother is like, well, duh, essentially. What do you expect? 
So Higgins reflects on how he got accustomed to her face with a song of grown accustomed to her face, um, meaning he misses her and he wants her to come back. And then he fantasizes on how miserable she will be without him and uh, how he hopes that she will beg to be with him again when she's in her lowest and he will kick her out, which really calls back to Just You Wait and Ray Higgins for me. I think it's like the their positions were exactly reversed because now she holds all the power and she has something that he wants and he doesn't have anything she wants. And um, in the end of the song, we still see he's lonely. He returns home and turns on the recording of Eliza speaking. And then um, he sits on the sofa with her back to the entrance. So Eliza comes back, actually, and she turns off the recording, completing the sentence from the recording. And Higgins turns um, to her, sees her. We see that he's happy, but she can't see it. And then he exclaims, where the devil are my slippers. And then in a musical version, they go next to each other. And Hero is very, very scared that they'll kiss. That didn't happen in 2018, by the way. Um, I was really scared that they kiss, but they don't. They just like cross their arms and they laugh at each other. So in here, I think like, oh, they see each other. They see each other as very equal footing. In the musical, in the movie musical, um, I think it just cuts out after Where the Devils Are My Slippers. So uh, in the ending of both versions, though, Eliza returns. And I'll let you talk about like what you think about it first, and then I'll come with a bit of insight from the play. Um, I just don't understand it. <laughs> okay. I feel like Higgins' character is not, like, he's not like a villain. He's a right. jerk, for sure. But he has his moments, too. Um, but now he takes on Eliza as a project, and not because like, he sees her worth as a person, mm-hmm. and more because like, he was bored and he wants something to do. So she is more like a thing to him. And I don't know how that could even get somehow transformed into a romance type of thing. Um I feel like he constantly treats her like dirt and Mm -hmm. demanding that she work um, ridiculous hours, calling her names and things like that. So this is why the ending of uh, My Fair Lady is really disturbing for Mm -hmm. me, because I feel like the original play or um, at least the original work, Shaw never really intended Eliza to end up with Higgins. And earlier in My Fair Lady, like, she gains her independence and stands on her own two feet. And she's, like, free of the control and manipulation. And the fact that it made it into a love story type of happy ending is just, like, ugh, for me. So I keep coming back to this idea of the love duel, like I talked about earlier. I still don't feel like neither, like, Freddie or Higgins like ever really sings a true love duel with Eliza so I really can't support any kind of romantic relationship I really don't like this ending Mm -hmm. and the the first thing that he said to her is like fetch my slippers like what Mm -hmm. what the heck is that Mm -hmm. right and um I feel like with all the act two suggesting that Eliza has come into her own, um, the loverly and Jesse Wade reveal like maybe a kinship with Higgins and maybe I could have danced all night also indicate like some kind of sensibility similar to Freddie's. But with the Without You song and especially Show Me, I feel like those two songs really establish Eliza as a woman with her own voice. So 
I don't like how it ends here with a scene to fetch the slippers. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, I feel like maybe the movie was more sales oriented. So they give um, more of a quote unquote happy ending here. And the idea that a happy ending has to involve heterosexual love is such an old concept too. But if that's the only kind of happy endings like we are trained or we are oriented as audience to see, this is probably, this is what you'll see. And the heterosexual love here in my opinion wasn't necessarily a, wasn't necessary at all. Like I much more prefer like the other ending where they maybe like laugh at each other, they're like friends mm-hmm. almost. But um, to imply that there's any romantic sparks or chemistry between them, it's really making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and they can totally make Eliza's and Higgins' relationship much more mature, like a student teacher mentor even, like how he teaches her accent and maybe Eliza in return teaches him about like decency and human nature, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I will much more appreciate if that's the direction that it was heading into. Um, yeah, in my opinion, it doesn't need to be love. It was definitely not love to me, and mm-hmm. it can purely just be some kind of understanding and like a connection between one individual to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is exactly how I see it: one individual to another in both version of the musical and the movie. Just because she returns back to him, I don't think that implies. A heterosexual love story. I think that implies exactly what Hagen suggested for her to do, and she decided that she wants to take him up on that offer. Okay, let's let's go back a little and talk about the original play. So the original play by uh, Shaw. It was first uh, put to stage in 1914, and uh, there was a lot of public outcry about the fact that they didn't end up together. And to the end of his very life, Shaw defended them not going, not uh, ending up together. So in the original play, um, it ends right after in the I grew accustomed to her face. And that's it. Like, we don't see any love story whatsoever. And it is very sanitized. In the original play, he's like, that's brilliant, Eliza. We can all live as three old bachelors together, you, Pickering, and myself. So in a very, like, roommate situation, no feelings um, that's that's part of the reason why I've always conceptualized this as a as a aromantic asexual kind of story where they all want the same thing for each other, which is just companionship. And that's something that I thought was really really nice and a and a very ahead of its time story. And it's ahead of its time because all the public really 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 wanted them to get like, to end up together um Higgins and Eliza and they were very upset that they didn't and there was like complete outcry everybody who tried to adapt this story um and it has been adapted many 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 times try to make them end up together and other Pygmalion stories like Pretty Woman for example do make them end up together so you see the demand in which the public wants the heterosexual um, ending of them getting up and uh, getting together. Uh, but Shaw fought tooth and nail to the end of his life, and he fought so much that they wouldn't end up together that he had to write an alternative story, I think in the 30s, for um, one of like the first movies adaptation, in which he marries Freddie, 
and Pickering bought them a flower shop in which he works at and uh, Professor Higgins like communicates with them and sends them money and helps them financially. So she, he literally like in order for them not to end up together, he had to write an alternative alternative ending. Um, so the fact that they had that Shaw had to go through the entire length, not for them to end up together and to pair her up with a duo, like you mentioned, like with Freddie instead goes to the extent of how much he doesn't want them to end up together and how much they don't belong together. Now, in the movie and musical, um, Eliza returns back. So um, the producer of the movie, the original movie, which he made a change ending for, kind of double-crossed him, and they made Eliza return back. And all the adaptations since pretty much have been uh, taking that angle of her returning back, but no showing, like, explicit romantic um, romantic relationship between them. So uh, Shaw didn't even want her to return back. But I think when Eliza does return back, she knows that she's returning back on equal footing because she can leave whenever she wants. She doesn't desire the normal societal expectation of marrying somebody and having to live through that kind of life of just being an accessory and arm candy to like a man because she doesn't have any rights for herself. In the movie, while he says, where the devil are my slippers, we don't see her fetching the slippers back to him, which is what she did before. We just see him saying it because he says he's not going to change and he's not changing. But Eliza has changed and she knows to respect herself more and she knows what she's worth. So she doesn't actually go and execute his command. She just goes there for companionship and that's it. So the way I view it and, and why I like the ending is because it shows them explicitly as living together as like old bachelors, I guess, to each other. Um, and then just like growing old without any romantic implication to me. So, um, yeah, and in terms of the great themes of this musical, I think the main themes are like mainly about class division and gender division. And I think these are really important themes to discuss. Um, okay. yes. What would you give for a final rating? Huh. I think I am going to give it 9.5 out of 10 Dovers. Okay, okay. I know yours is totally different, but again, like, part of the reason why it's so important to me is also because I grew up with it, and I really appreciate the themes in this musical. Yeah, definitely. I think having a personal connection to any musical will, like, impact how you see it. For me, I don't really enjoy the music all that much, I hate (laughs) to say, Um, so I'm gonna give it 6 out of 10 chocolates. Chocolate. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair. Um, so thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. Um, and you can contact us in our social media. Um, you can contact us under Podway Podcast uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And you can also email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. And we would really, really like to hear from you and uh, see what you guys thought. Yeah, and let us know what you think. Always curious to hear different opinions. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. (laughs)